Welcome back for another great episode of Talks with Tatiana, and I'm Tatiana Sawyer, and today I'm here with Safi. Safi, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tatiana. It's been, um, it's an honor to be here, and thank you for taking the time to have me. Awesome. Terrific. So um, to get us introduced, I really like to hear it for myself, to get us introduced to who you are. Tell us how you became, what do you do today, and how you got, you got there. Perfect. Perfect. So today um, I'm a CPA enrolled agent and have a master's in tax and I focus in tax accounting and consulting. That journey started with taking a bookkeeping class in high school. Um, I enjoyed the debits and the credits and, and all that. And so I decided to major in accounting and uh, at SUNY Albany and uh, later got my master's in tax online. So that's how it started in, in high school. Wow, that's really cool. And how did your entrepreneurial journey start? Okay, so out of high school, out of um, college, I went right to working for the big four. Um, stayed there for just about two years, started the journey of the master's in tax, went to a mid-sized firm. And all in all, I uh, then went into my enrolled agent and then finally got my CPA because everyone kept asking me, are you a CPA? So that journey um, in public accounting was about 16 years. And at that time, um, I started, you know, dabbling a little bit, you know, family and friends, having a small um, business on the side. But it was when my children, you know, um, had more activities. My daughter was about to start kindergarten. Um, my son was getting into sports and I just wanted to have more flexibility. I didn't want to have to ask permission to leave early to go to a game. Um, and so I wanted to be more uh, available for them and just have that flexibility. And so that's what led to me, you know, jumping off the uh, entrepreneur cliff per se and um, got more into a contracting role at that time just to have some steady flow of income and then continue to build my practice as well. Oh, cool. So family first, I hear. Yes. Yes. And peace of sure. mind. <laughs> yeah. I was at a point where I was so stressed out um, in the industry, trying to manage all of that, that I, I got myself in like a, a, a heart uh, condition, but I was fine. But it was just stress, you know, digestive issues. Like it started to affect my health. And I said, okay, this is where I draw the line. So it's a combination of definitely being there for my family and take care of myself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I wish more accountants uh, paid, uh, you know, more attention to family and then also, you know, whatever the family is. It could be, you know, just a spouse or a mm -hmm. girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. Right. But I wish uh, more people paid attention to their family and their health, uh, because honestly, if you take away everything, there's nothing left except for those two things. And so I wish more people actually discovered that. Agreed. Agreed. Definitely. And, and so how do you, um, do you have a niche? How do you, how did you grow? What was, what do you feel like was the um, catalyst and, and how long did it take you to grow to where you are today? All right. So my current niche is uh, mental health practice owners, um, helping six-figure mental health practice owners decrease their tax liability with my three-step entity analysis. That came about officially about a year and a half ago. Um, I uh, started out, you know, jack of all trades, like most accountants, doing a little bit of everything. I mostly in my career was in tax. And so coming out, coming 
uh, starting my own journey, I had to get a little bit more well-rounded, get back into accounting basics and bookkeeping, and then just consulting, you know, business owners, especially a lot of startups, which is what I dealt with, just didn't even know where to start. What are the steps? How do I logistically start my business? And so I was involved in like all those different areas, which was a great learning experience because I had to go through that, you know? So it was, it's great to get them started on the journey correctly from the beginning. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed teaching them that process. Um, and what I found after working with, you know, 20, 20 25 different industries that, um, you know, I'm only one person, <laughs> right? I'm only one person. I want to be able to give my clients the best of me um, and not be just um, like a factory, right? And so um, I have been told for years, I need to pick a niche. I picked need to pick a niche. And when you're in that scarcity mindset, it was like, okay, no, I need clients. I need clients. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what they do. Um, I need to build up my income because I left a six-figure income and dropped down significantly when I left. So I was focused on, you know, getting income back up to support my family and, and not so much on being the best to the clients and servicing them the best that I could. Um, and so I finally, you know, um, I, I worked with, you know, small business owners, you know, uh, service-based primarily. So I always had that as my base and people in real estate as well. Um, I always had mental health practices, uh, uh, practitioners and, uh, you know, mental health counselors, um, uh, people in consulting. So I've always had them, but um, it wasn't like a, a niche. So last year around April or so, um, I was working with a, you know, um, marketing program for accountants. And um, I finally said, okay, let me give it a shot. Let me look through my 20 something different industries that I work with. Let me see who I enjoy working with the best. Love all my clients, but who do I enjoy working with the best? Who wants to do the right thing? Who listens? Um, and, and it was my mental health practice owners. And so that is what led me to settle on that journey. In addition to the, you know, what I've seen them do for the industry, for my family as well, um, you know, what they give and, and uh, the service they give to us and how they help us move along in our journeys and so on. And so that was a great way to be able to give back to that industry as well. And so, you know, I had to, you know, learn more and more about them, you know, what the challenges they deal with, what are the um, specific, you know, um, specific um, uh, specific challenges and also sp the intricacies of the industry, you know, what's specific to them versus other service-based business owners. So that learning journey started last year and then starting to now really customize packages and solutions to help them ongoing throughout the year. What I found um, this journey, so I started my um, firm officially in 2016. I did the sole proprietorship route prior to that. So from 2016 to 2022, really, is how long it took me to settle down on a niche. Um, you know, I built up my practice. I left my contracting role um, really in uh, late 2022. And, um, and so I had, you know, took me from 2016, really, um, no, it took me from 2018 to 2022 to build up enough where I could support um, myself and my family with just my clients. So that was my journey. So now it's about, um, okay, I was a jack of all trades. I hustled, did what I had to do. Okay, now let's let's look at this industry. Let's look at what they need um, and, and, and put together strategies and solutions to help them be their best, to grow, and then also maintain a work-life balance for myself and my team.
Um, so I do have other clients that, you know, stay with me as far as other service industries, but primarily my focus is, is those mental health practice owners, psychiatrists, those um, psychologists, uh, psychiatrists, <laughs> uh, mental health nurse practitioners, um, psychiatric nurse practitioners. So a variety of, uh, there's a variety of specialties within that industry. And um, so currently, you know, I, I'm, I'm changing my model where I am not only, I'm not offering tax preparation as a standalone service anymore. That's a huge move for me because 70% of my business was tax prep. Um, but I found that dealing with everyone at one time a year was not service was that was not a service to them and was not a service to me and my team. Um, they needed support throughout the year. We need to get ahead of things. We need to minimize penalties and interests. And so I've made, made a decision about a month ago to move into a monthly model that entails tax preparation, tax planning, quarterly estimated taxes, bookkeeping, depending on the level of service that they need, um, but definitely having more of an ongoing relationship throughout the year. And so that's where I am today. I'm excited about it. Um, it's been a journey, um, but I know it's going to be a, a good move going forward. Awesome. I love it. So about seven years, I guess, when you said 2016, yeah, about seven, six and a half years that it took or I guess for a specialty, it's a, well, a year less because you said it's 2022. But I can relate to a lot of the things that you've mentioned because I've certainly, I've removed standalone tax service um, probably, you know, a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Don't It took me about three years to transition to being all of the clients, either transition them to the new model or transition them out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Nice. Um, in a, you know, in a nice, in a, in a good way, in a supportive way, because I've found the same thing that you found where when it's just once a year type service, it's a disservice to them because they mm -hmm. think that they have support and somebody looking out for them. The reality is they're not paying for it. So they're not getting it. Right. Um, and so, and it's right. also a disservice to us because we are super stressed out in a short period of time, yes. whereas we work with a lot less clients, but clients that right. we support throughout the year for sure. Right. So, Absolutely, thank you, thank absolutely. You for sharing that, it's just yeah. it's one thing when people hear from me, but then it's another thing when they hear from somebody else uh, as well. So definitely, um, definitely, thank you for for sharing that. No problem. And what do you find to be the most kind of challenge um, challenging thing in your business in your practice um, every day? Oh man, challenging thing with my clients or personally in my practice? Both. <laughs> okay. Well, from a client perspective, um, I find that clients will make decisions and take action before checking with professionals, whether it be legal or their CPAs or accountants, and then come after the fact and sometime we can't clean things up or it's more costly to clean things up. So for example, before even starting your practice, um, find out what the rules are, the specifications, if you have any licensing requirements before you get that bank account set up, before you get that EIN, it's worth it to make the investment on the, on the front end because to go back and try to reverse things, um, sometimes it's not possible and it's more costly. Um, more costly for tax purposes and also just professional fees, right? Because the cleanup is, is more than a startup. Um, so I find that making those decisions after the fact, specifically, you know, S corporations, you know, there's a lot of social media hoorah about S corps and when you should, you know, when you should make the elections and when you shouldn't, um, and you know, start making it at X amount of dollars. And it's literally a specific 
analysis for your tax profile that should be done before jumping into that. Then I find that people who do jump into it, they don't know how to be compliant and run in success, you know, run a, run a compliant escort. They're not on salary. They're taking distributions. They're paying themselves too little. They're still not understanding that quarterly taxes need to be paid and are, and are surprised when tax bills come up at tax season. Um, so I think that for me on the client side is really making those decisions without um, getting the guidance on it um, or not running a compliant business because they're not understanding maybe what their structure requires. Uh, second thing for me, and this is you know something that as a business owner I have to go through as well, but um, when people are ready to expand, they automatically just say, I'm going to hire a contractor and not aware because they haven't consulted with labor attorney or HR professional how to properly expand, right? So in my example that I see often, um, mental health practice wants to expand, brings on not fully licensed or provisionally licensed staff as contractors. They require supervision. They require training. They can't run their business on their own, so then they're not in business, right? So why are they a contractor? Right. So just not understanding um, the rules, um, not understanding the risk that they're taking, because I've seen it, um, especially in New York State, where they've come in and say, this person filed for unemployment, but we don't have them as an employee. Uh oh, let's look back five years, six, seven years and uh, rack up. So <laughs> um, so those are the top two that I see on the client side. Um, personally, in running a business, I mean, it's always the fi- family dynamics, you know of the nature of the industry, the demands of tax season, uh, the demands of client emergencies, um, and, and, and really finding that line between uh, having boundaries, um, but also being a, a support. And that's why I found that, you know, kind of this restructuring that I'm doing, it's going to be difficult. And, you know, you said it took three years, I'm hoping to do it now, like, you know, in the next three months. So we'll see how that goes. But I do want to, you know, I don't want people to be left hanging. I do want to provide them resources. And and if it's not a fit, good fit, it's not a good fit. Because if I don't, if I knew if I didn't make that decision, I knew that next year is going to be the same thing and I can't have another next year. It causes delays. It's not fair um, to the clients or myself. So it's really just um, kind of doing what's best for the client and myself and maintaining that work-life balance when in business. Because I could be having the same kind of stress, you know, stress situation, health issues, being in business for myself if I allow it. So really just kind of remembering that I am the CEO, I'm the founder, I can make the decisions, I determine how this firm is going to run, um, and kind of reminding myself of that. So that that is an ongoing uh, process, and uh, but continuing to grow in that area with the support of some great coaches and mentors as well. Awesome. And uh, I know that, you know, you've mentioned, like I said, a lot of things that I've personally gone through. And um, really, for me, it was about figuring out my priorities. And my priority is always family first, family and my people. Uh, So people who work for me, or with me. um, For me, it was always about that. and I can, you know, I can hear something very similar through what you were saying, and and I understand the not wanting to have another tax season like the past one. My like my past season was actually not my hardest in the last three years. Uh, can you know considering twenty twenty season, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, and twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three probably the, the easiest uh, out of the four, but it was. <laughs> 
if you look back, you know, all of the time that I've been in taxes, I feel like it was definitely one of the hardest. I mean, last three or four years were yeah. definitely hardest ones. Yeah. Um, because we did, you know, a lot of accountants took this uh, approach of making as much money as possible with assistance to file PPPs and all of these other things. I took the approach of, because we have, have already been in, been in the model of supporting the client, they were already paying a monthly retainer. Uh, I was, I just felt like, you know, I can't charge them more. Um, mm. And some clients did some of the work themselves and some clients mm. paid me enough for me to not charge them separately. So uh, for me, it was all about support of them yeah. um, more than anything else. So I definitely agree with everything that you've shared and thank <laughs> you for sharing it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess my next question is, um, in your career as a, you know, as a public accountant, um, what have you found to be the things that clients do without thinking potentially and piss, piss us off? Like I've had some really interesting, you know, things like 1099 consolidated, you know, like scanning them. Like uh, every other page or backwards or upside down or whatever. Uh, what what do you have that you've been, pers you know, your personal pet peeve? <laughs> the little things, right? Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm pretty easygoing, but I think I, you know, as accountants, most of us like structure, right? Um, and organization. So um, I love helping clients get it together and get organized if they are willing, if they're ready to, right? But I think, you know, for security purposes, most of us have a client portal. We have a set way of communication because we want to protect your information. We want to protect ourselves for liability purposes. And so we want to stick with that, right? Um, and not any, no one software out there is going to be user-friendly for everyone. I get it. But when we have pieces of information coming in from email, from text, um, from the messaging section of the portal, from the project section of the portal, from the send, share a file message of the you know section of the portal, it can create some chaos, right? Because we're dealing with multiple clients and we are looking to work through, you know, whether it be your bookkeeping, your accounting, your projections, we're looking to work through that in a sequence, right? Where we have all the pieces of the information. And when it's spread out all over the place, coming in different, uh, coming from different sources, things can get missed. Errors can be made. We may ask for something twice. Um, you may have thought you up some, uploaded something and you didn't. Um, so I think for me, the pet peeve would really just be not following the clear instructions as far as, okay, here's your task, upload your documents here. This is what I need. Um, and so on. And so, and I know technology, you know, it is what it is, right? So we all deal with the scan papers, the blurriness, sending one page out of five, like we need a complete picture and we need it so it's legible. <laughs> but yeah, I would just say really not adhering to, you know, following it, the instructions of whatever it works for your accountant. So some have, most, most should have a portal. Some may have another system, an app, or what have you. But you want to you want to follow that process because you have to remember, when working with multiple clients, we can't have everyone doing something different because um, it just leaves room for error. Absolutely, and I think the uh, for for me, it, it has to do with also explaining the importance of why we ask for certain things. Like for example, portal is not just something we keep to protect you. It's also something that I particularly, I'm also in New York state that I particularly am required to communicate with clients through not necessarily email, but all of the document documents and communication according to the cybersecurity policies or have to go through 
a portal, a secure portal. I, you know, if you send me something that's your risk, I'm not responsible for it, but um, there's been so much. And I think, you know, the government is trying to kind of com- combat uh, all kinds of different, you know, fraud that mm-hmm. the fraudsters come up with, but <laughs> that's so important to use a portal. And, and I know it's painful because it's painful for us too. I think that a lot of people don't understand that it's, that it's so painful, but uh, I think that explaining to clients, educating them around why we ask for these things is yeah. super important. Absolutely. It, it is important because, you know, if they, if they're especially new to working with a professional, um, it's a learning curve and, and I get that. Um, so definitely communication is key. Yeah. Awesome. So Safi, can you, um, share, like if you could go back in time and either change one thing that you did or didn't do or tell your younger self one thing, what would that be? Mm-hmm. So I would tell my younger self to get the CPA done right out of school and get it over with <laughs> instead of taking a 13 year gap. <laughs> uh, that's what I would tell myself. So I, I you know, I um, started the process, um, got married, then kids started coming. I have two children. Um, I decided to go with the master's in tax first because company was paying for it. So I was like, okay, why not? Um, and what I found was that the master's in tax was great, but the CPA held much more weight. So then in between that, I said, okay, let me just do the enrolled agent because I'm focused on tax anyway. So then I got the enrolled agent. No one knows what it is. <laughs> uh, no one knows what it is, right? It's, you know, it's um, a test you take through the IRS and it's, it's tax focused. So then I finally said, all right, let me just get the CPA done. And I, I knocked it out in like nine months. But um, that was after having lost parts and so on. So if I could go back, I would have just said, do the CPA, get it out the way before all the responsibilities kicked in while you're still fresh out of school in that study mindset and uh, start with that. So that's what I would have done different. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I have um, done that because uh, our professors kind of brainwashed us in that way. Nice. Uh, which was fortunate um, that they did that. So I definitely feel like I was still fresh. Like the only thing is like, I don't know about you, but um, you know, I had pretty good professors for, for pretty much every class except for audit. And the audit professor was a partner at a pretty large accounting firm. Um, They fired him since then, you know, from being a professor, but um, Mm -hmm. um, I've known, and like, I knew everything about him except for like the actual audit. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually take audits uh, exam. I took it last and I took it three times. Um, second time I got 74 and you need 75 to pass. So, um, you know, it was, an, it was an interesting journey, but everything else I passed with flying colors, but audit was uh, because I didn't learn it in school. It took me three, three tries to do it, but yeah, that's, audit that's was my I'm, toughest. Audit, yeah. I took audit in college. I was like, yeah, this is not for me, nothing against it, but lowest grade I got, it may have been a B minus or whatever, but still I was like, I just got to get out of this class. And same thing. I think I got a 73 one time and then had to redo it. So yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for, for being a guest, um, for sharing your insights and how can people find and connect with you if they're a mental health professional, um, and they're looking for support that you provide, how can they find and connect with you? Absolutely. So you can find me on social media, Instagram at Safi Russell CPA. That is S as in Sam, A, F as in Frank, I, E, Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L, CPA. And um, also that same um, 
website, you can access a free ebook. Um, so SafiRussellCPA.com, a free ebook about 12 different tax write-offs. And uh, you can find me on Facebook as well with the same uh, information. Just search for my name and it'll come up. Awesome. Thanks so much, Safi, for being a great guest. It was very interesting and cool to connect with you. And I hope Thank that you. you've also um, uh, found some, some good content for yourself as well. Absolutely. Thank you for allowing me to share and having me here. Awesome. And if you're listening uh, on the podcast platform, the links to Safi's uh, website and uh, social media will be posted um, in the show notes. If you're watching this on YouTube, you will see it below the video. And um, I hope to see you next week for another great episode of Talks with Tatiana.